You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's been too long since we've talked about the Cardinal-Cub rivalry here on Locked On Cardinals, so let's bring in the voice of Locked On Cubs to do a crossover today. We're talking a recap of the 2021 season for both teams, John Lester, and as well as where these teams go heading into 2022. And we do talk a little bit about the lockout. Cardinals and Cubs, the the, uh, rivalry between the two is unlike uh, just about any other in sports. We're breaking it down with Andrew Bellison of Locked On Cubs on today's episode of Locked On Cardinals. Happy Wednesday, Locked On Cubs fans. Today, it's a special edition, a Locked On crossover, as we're joined by Lucas Smith of Locked On Cardinals. What's up, Andrew? How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Good to see you. Yes, I'm doing well. Finally, officially getting to meet you, and we'll do a fun crossover today. It'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, you know, slow time, uh, slow time a year for the game now with the state of, of things in the lockout, but... Uh, Always fun to talk NL Central ball in the middle of winter, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, we're not missing out on baseball per se, but we're still missing out on trades and free agencies. But both Cardinals and Cubs did make some pickups um, that I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. But yeah, I think the, the next exciting thing is we're you know recording this on Tuesday, so Hall of Fame is tonight, so that's kind of the next big thing. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it kind of sucks that we're still on a lockout and a very slow part of the year, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, when you have when you don't finish the way you want, and obviously last year for the Cubs, uh, things didn't go as us Cubs fans had planned. You know, you mm-hmm. look forward to the offseason to see what happens. Like, where are they going to retool? Where do they beef up? And you alluded to it. We got a little bit of it before the lockout, um, but just a taste. And it's been so quiet now for – it's hard to believe it's been six weeks already, and here we are plodding along. So kind of a bummer. Yeah, what is that Cub fans always used to say that there's always next year? I think that they get used to saying that a little bit more often here in, in recent years. But what was your take on the, the 2021 season for the Cubs that had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, really, that you saw probably a big piece of your heart, you know, all due respect, kind of leave with the big trades that were made around the deadline? Yeah, you know, I've touched a lot on this as a fan first, and I always have been uh, growing mm-hmm. up in Chicago suburbs. And we've talked a ton about, uh, about it on Lockdown Cubs is, you know, they were a a fairly good team in the middle of June. They were 10 or 12 over. I think they surprised me. I think they surprised a lot of people. Um, what really stood out was that bullpen with Tapera and Kimbrel. I mean, they were locking games down mm-hmm. and it was, it was going well. And then obviously we know how it finished and the core was dismantled and you know, everyone, when that happens, regardless of the young talent that comes back, which turns out it was a really good haul of young talent, which we're going to start seeing, um, it hurts at the time because that was the last of that that championship window that we all had as Cubs fans. So uh, definitely a different different approach than you guys have. It seems like you know we're always looking up at you guys and the Cardinals. And and uh, last year obviously didn't end how how Cardinals fans wanted, but overall another another phenomenal year for St. Louis baseball. 
Yeah, it's kind of you know the, the opposite of the way that the Cubs went. You know, the, you know, around mid or mid May or June, you mentioned the Cubs were in first place for a substantial amount of time, and the Cardinals were really kind of trying to scratch and claw their way back. They had really just one of the worst Junes you could imagine. You know, you lose Jack Flaherty to, to injury, you you just have a really bad offensive month. It was the worst offensive month of the season for the Cardinals was that June, and then you expect big things at the trade deadline. And all due respect, that the splashes that they made, J. A. Happ and John Lester you know, isn't really what you would have wanted. Now, granted, they ended up working out okay. Uh, they d- did what they needed to do, but the 17-game winning streak that, that the Cardinals went on was something that was uh, hasn't been seen in, in Cardinal history before. I was actually at the franchise tying win. Forget which which record it was at, at Wrigley Field in that game two of that doubleheader. So yes. it's one of those things that it was the highest of highs and lowest of lows for both teams. And it just happened to be that the Cardinals ended up in October. And obviously, as you mentioned, the Cardinals season ended in, in heartbreaking fashion with that home run and the wildcard game against Los Angeles Dodgers. But if you would have told me in June that the Cardinals were playing in the wildcard game, I, w- I would have not believed you. I, I would have been happy with that 10 times over. And it just so happens that now the Cardinals move into 2022 with a new manager and a, and a new outlook on, on the division. Is I, I think the Cardinals are, are the, the favorites in the division, in my mind. No question about it. I, I would argue that to, to the nth degree. And I know there'd be some people that would chime in and say Milwaukee, but I, I'm with you 100%. And, I, and you, you touched on this a little bit, and I wanted to ask you about it. Obviously, they ran off the 17 in a row or whatnot. Things in the middle of summer did not look like they were going to go the Cardinals' way. Schilt's gone. What was your impression of him? I mean, I feel like a lot of times managers get too much credit, but more often they take too much fault. And he had a really good tenure in St. Louis, but now he's out the door. It's funny you say that, Andrew, because that's the exact verbiage that I use. You know, they get too much credit for wins and too much hate for a lot, especially at the professional level. You know, these are professional athletes that know what they're doing for the most part. It's a lot easier for a manager to lose a game. I understand that. But at the same time, it's the players that win and lose the majority of your games. Uh, my impression of Schilt was a much more positive one than a lot of Cardinal fans um, had. And it's kind of weird to say that, considering he garnered manager of the year votes in each of his four seasons as a Cardinal manager, including an interim role to start uh, the midway point in 2018. But at the end of the day, in 2019, he led the team to a division win and mm-hmm. an NLCS berth. In 2020, any manager who led the team to a postseason berth deserves a pat on the back, including yes. David Ross with the Cubs because of how tumultuous that season was for everybody. Mm-hmm. And in 2021, he helped, you know, at least oversaw, was there during the 17-game winning streak. His major faults were stuck in his ways. I thought his lineup construction wasn't great and his bullpen decision. I think any manager is made or uh, you make or break a good manager by his bullpen decisions. And I thought a lot of the times he just m- made some head-scratching moves. And at the big middle of the year, you didn't have a lot of options to go to, to give them the benefit of the doubt. You had the big three of Giovanni Gallegos, Alex Reyes, and Genesis Cabrera. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, just not a lot of options. Um, it was weird the way that he went out. I talked about it a lot on Lockdown Cardinals when it happened. I am excited for Oliver Marmol, though. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, this is the third person that John Mozeliak has handpicked for the job. So I... I think that Marmol is going to get the job done, and he seems to have that nice mix of new-style baseball versus old-style baseball, analytics versus seal for the game type of thing. Um, So I think that he's going to be doing some great things for the Cardinals going forward. Um, I really like what I've seen from David Ross as well in his first couple years as manager. Um, What was your initial reaction when he got hired? Because that was a head-scratcher for a lot of people. And what have you seen from him in the last couple seasons? I love him. I I can't (laughs) – no, I mean, really, I loved him as a player. I love his approach. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's got the laid back vibe, but he'll get in your face if he needs to. You know, I, I dedicated a whole show to this almost. You know, catchers as managers seemingly always just works out, right? They know mm-hmm. the game. It's always in front of them. They are the manager on the field. I mean, so sliding into the dugout then to 
be the head of a club is is less of a transition, say, than for some other people or, or players, uh, position players or whatnot. I I think, you know, this is the final year of his deal, and I, I am sure that he will get an extension. I think he deserves it. Like you said, took the, took the team to the playoffs in 2020, uh, early exit. But, I mean, given the fact that they made it, given everything that went on in his first season right. at the helm of the Cubs is very impressive. And last year, I think he did some of his best work personally after the core was dealt away when he was left with a lot less talent than he probably anticipated in having uh, coming down the stretch. So I, I think this is a this is a a time where he deserves an extension. Um, and I think had we not been in a lockout, maybe we would have seen one announced already. That's just my opinion. Um, but he's got a little bit to prove this year. Uh, not not enough to warrant, you know, not having a job, but they're retooling this roster and he's going to have the talent that he maybe thought he would have had last year. So to see how he handles everything moving forward will be telling. But I think he's done enough to this point by far uh, to uh, warrant keeping keeping his position with the Cubs for, for a few years to come. I, I love him. He's very well received by the players. And he's just a very likable guy and, and, and knows how to get the job done, it seems. Well, he's done a lot of winning over the course of his career. 2016 yeah. World Series champion. He was also on the 2013 World Series champion Red Sox with the uh, that beat the St. Louis Cardinals, as much as that pains me to remember. Uh, but he's definitely a, a winner. And I think that at the end of the day, whether you're a catcher or not, you know, Winners tend to always win, you know, especially when, when you're somebody as smart as David Ross. He, you know, he spent some time in the broadcast booth, and I think that that gives somebody a different perspective, you know, to, just to have that different angle to it. You know, I joked. It's funny you said that, Lucas. I joked with him uh, at an event a few years ago when he was still doing broadcast work. I said, man, I, I'm you have so much fun in the booth. I loved him as a broadcaster. I think he did a phenomenal yeah. job. And that was like that's like the only downfall to me is seeing him in the dugout is he's not in the booth. He was great. Absolutely. I think that, you know, in, in the day and age where you have a lot of complaints about a lot of the different crews on ESPN, he, him and uh, I think it was him and Boo Shambi that did most of the games together when he was there. That, they, they were uh, a joy to listen to. I, I enjoy listening to Shambi call games for the Cubs as well, but I, I just really enjoyed uh, both of them um, t- together on ESPN. I got to ask you, Lucas, is, has Marmel been well received with the cards since they made that hiring official at, at the uh, beginning of the offseason? It was it was more of a head scratching move more than anything else. I think that people were, were surprised that they hired from within just because you know the the reasoning of firing Schilt was philosophical differences. And if you keep somebody from that same staff, you would think that the philosophies are largely the same, right? So I think that it was definitely a head scratcher. So it's going to be 50-50. I think the results will speak for themselves more so than anything else. Um, if he's able to get the results to win a division, to go to a deep postseason run, then yeah, he's going to be a little bit more well-received than if he wouldn't be. Um, but I think it definitely it was an odd way, the way that it happened, uh, more so than anything else. Um, if, if it would have been maybe a little bit more natural, maybe she'll didn't make the playoffs, so you have a little bit more of a reason to fire him, then it would have been more naturally received. Um, but I, I was a huge fan of Oliver Marmol. I think he's going to do good things uh, in this cup coming season well before we get to john lester who yes he was a cardinal for a very short amount of time it still sounds strange to say as he's a legend here in the chicagoland area i want to talk to you about built bar maybe you've had it maybe you haven't if getting fit or eating better is part of your new year's resolution then built bar has to be part of the plan it's like a candy bar but better 
Most built bars have just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein. So much better for you than the traditional candy bar, which is normally 240 calories loaded with 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, just garbage, garbage, garbage. If you're not a huge fan of working out, clean up your diet. Incorporate Built Bar into that plan. And I'll tell you what, you'll never get tired of Built Bar because they have so many phenomenal flavors. Coconut almond, peanut butter, raspberry, cookies and cream, to name a few. And there's always some special flavors that they rotate in and out for short amounts of time. Try them. I promise you'll like them. If you haven't tried them, go to Built.com today. Use code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll get 15% off your order at built.com. Build Park, try them. I promise you will like them. Well, Lucas, John Lester was a Red Sox. He was an A briefly, and then he transformed what we know now, the culture of the Chicago Cubs, and brought them a huge part of what brought them a World Series championship in 2016. He hung them up uh, just a couple weeks ago, and he was a Cardinal for a handful of starts, which seems a little strange still. But he was fairly good for you guys down the stretch. And you said it maybe wasn't a move last year that a lot of Cardinals fans hoped to see in terms of a big splash at the deadline. But he did his part fairly well in getting them towards the playoffs in 2021. You know, when it, then when that trade went down, I, I was they, we had a Locked on MLB Live edition on our, on the Locked on MLB YouTube channel, and I was flabbergasted. I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't understand it. Uh, between him and J.A. Happ, all due respect to them. And like I said, they did great. They, they did what they needed to do at the tail end of that year. But that was not a move that, in my mind at the time, was going to elevate the Cardinals from a 500 team to a playoff team. But I said, after I calmed down, the next day on my show, I said, best-case scenario— Lester and Hap turn back the fountain of youth. They give their team a chance to win each time they start. And outside of maybe one or two starts that John Lester made, that's exactly what he did. He had a really yeah. good start against Pittsburgh down the stretch as well. He is just somebody that wins. You know, he, he never really had the most electric stuff, even from his days in Boston. He just missed the barrel. I think it, it was so fun for me to watch because whenever I was a high school pitcher riding the bench, uh, whenever I did get in, <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a little bit of a cutter. That's what I relied on. So it was fun for me to watch John Lester. Had a little bit of a cutter, a little bit of a curve. and it, you know, he, just, he knew how to miss the barrel. And mm-hmm. at the major league level, if you can miss the barrel, you're going to be successful. Um, you see, he won his 200th game with the Cardinals. I know, I know a lot of Cub fans are very upset <laughs> at that, and I understand that reasoning. Um, but he was a veteran that came in, and he, he, he even said in his you know, first interview, the Cardinals win. You know, I wouldn't count this team out. You know, we, I've seen it happen too, too, many, too many times. The Cardinals win. So I'm excited. he was excited to be for the Cardinals. I, I think a change of scenery from Washington helped because that's where the Cardinals got him from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think John Lester did what he needed to do to close out his career uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And I would argue that he's one of, if not the top, free agent signings in Chicago Cub history. Thoughts? Couldn't agree more. Uh, you don't win a World Series in 2016. You don't make it to all the NL uh, championships that you do without him. Uh, the numbers, as you mentioned, speak for themselves. I mean, the guy was a model of consistency for so many years, did the same thing in Boston. But what you know he was able to bring here goes so much further than the field. I mean, he literally transformed the whole mentality of what this organization stood for and they were no longer the lovable losers after he got his paws 
on this team and showed guys how to win. Like you said, it's in you. David Ross has it in him. He wins. It's a, it's a mentality. It's an approach. And John Lester had that. He's a bulldog. He was a gamer. He's the guy you want to give the ball. You want him on your side so you can ride his back. And, uh, you know, I was looking back at some of the numbers and I, I kind of, you know, you, you, this happens so often uh, before a player retires, you kind of take them for granted, right? And you forget yeah. how good they really were. And I, I, I look back at some of the numbers and what he did in that 2016 World Series season here in Chicago was just amazing. Um, and I challenged Cubs fans and baseball fans who just respect the heck out of a guy like that, whether he played for your team or not, to just kind of relish in his career and look back and appreciate what he did for all of us as baseball fans, whether you're a Cub fan or not. But it it ought, it immediately you have to turn the page and say, okay, what's next for John Lester? Is this guy potentially considerable for the Hall of Fame? Is he a Hall of Famer? What he's done in the postseason is amazing, but do the numbers warrant Cooperstown? And and I, as a fan, I want to say yes, but I'm I'm not sure. He's he's a fringe guy, and I, I tend to think of with the Hall of Fame, if you have to think about it, like if it's a fringe guy, it's probably a no, right? That that's my thought process because I think the Hall of Fame should be elite. I get that thought process from my grandfather, but. With John Lester, like you said, the fan in you really wants him to be in. I think it was, what, a three-time World Series champion. He's an author of a no-hitter, 200 wins. Just And outside of that, with the character clause that gets brought up with a lot of guys in baseball today, I'm not going to go down that route. But with John Lester, an incredible person. Mm-hmm. Cancer survivor. I know he did a lot of time in the Chicago hospitals and a lot, just a lot of extra work. You know, the the moral clause or the, the character clause, Lester's a check. <laughs> he gets my vote for that. And he's somebody that... You know, when, when you win as much as John Lester does, and I know that uh, World Series rings don't mean as much in baseball as they do, let's just say, a Super Bowl ring to a player's legacy in football, but the three-time World Series champion, you broke two different curses. I just <laughs> yeah. think you, you have to think about the intangible factor, at least a little bit, at least, you know, because baseball is such an intangible sport. So many things go beyond the box score, so that has to go into account when you're looking at a, a Hall of Fame ballot. John Lester is going to be an interesting one in five to you know six years, whatever. I'm not sure. He's not a first ballot, but I think that he'll be on the ballot for five or six years, if not all ten. I think that he'll always get the minimum 5% to just, just hang around and just, just to keep thinking on the BBWAA, if it's, that's still how it's done in, in years from now. But definitely somebody that you know I have a lot of respect for. Even when he was pitching against the Cardinals in 2013, somebody that it was... You know, it was hard to root against him, even though he was pitching against your team. You know, Destin Pejoria, for example, for me, was an easy person to root against for because he made so many great plays. Great guy, whatever. And I'm not saying anything bad about him. But John Lester, it was hard for me to root against him just because of how much respect I had for him off the field. You know, I don't know John. I've never met John. I I, I dedicated a whole show here on Locked on Cubs to yeah. that, the Hall of Fame candidacy. And it was silly. I said, we need to relish in his career first before talking about this. But it's kind of like the next logical step. And because he's, you know, like you said, he's a fringe guy. You know, I don't know him, but I have a feeling he would say, I don't give a darn anyways. You know, <laughs> I, I did what I did on the field. I gave it 130% for as long as I played. And if I ended up at Cooperstown, great. But that's not going to dictate who I am and what I did. And I just have a feeling knowing what I've seen of him, that that's kind of the approach he would take, but here we are talking about it anyway. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what's your favorite John Lester memory in a Cub uniform at, at Wrigley field? Oh my yeah, goodness. comes to mind. You know, I, I, this is a strange answer. Um, <laughs> and it's not a singular moment, but as he started to slow down the last few years, say, um, 
I just love how he kind of, and you mentioned it with the cutter. That's the $150 million cutter. I mean, that it was just, it missed bats. He kind of reinvented himself. No, he was never a huge power guy, like you said. But for a guy like that, kind of turning into that crafty Southpaw veteran, uh, being able to remain competitive and consistent, as you could tell physically, he was not what he once was or even really close. He hit it, I think, better than we all realized, but mm-hmm. still get the numbers that they needed him to get. Um, I just love when guys adapt like that because I think there's a lot of players who don't adapt like that and then exit the game quicker than they could have had they not just, you know, took a different approach. And he was obviously smart enough and willing enough to do that. Um, there were some days, as you saw, the last couple weeks of, of last year with the Cardinals when that 87 mile an hour cutter didn't miss bats and it got hit hard. And that mm-hmm. was the case more and more the last two or three years say, um, but his ability to get every ounce of everything he had out of that career. It's remarkable. I think, I think, I don't think you can speak um, highly enough about him. You said the person is one thing, but his, uh, his abilities on the field may have been diminished the last few years, but certainly you 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 wouldn't know it or he hit it as best as he could. And and to me, that's what stands out most about John. The big moments are the big moments, but but I, I love I love that mentality that he brought every day. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Not to take the spotlight away from Lester, but it reminds me a lot of Adam Wainwright yeah. being able to, you know, he's always had the curveball. Don't get me wrong. It's always been his bread and butter, but he doesn't throw 95 anymore. So just being able to reinvent himself, just two, you know, two comparable guys, Wainwright, another fringe guy. But I was at a John Lester game, I believe it was 2014. Uh, we pitched against the Colorado Rockies, and I remember he struck out 14 that day. Uh, so that, that's one of my, you know, favorite John Lester moments. We were talking off air, for those of you who don't know, twin brother, uh, who's a Cub fan, so I've been to many Cub games. Uh, One of my least favorite John Lester memories is him picking off Tommy Pham about five seconds after Tim McCarver said, he's not going to throw over there. Uh, My my brother sends me that clip probably once a week, just to remind me um, of of that happened. So like you said, hats off to John Lester. Uh, Congratulations on on a fantastic career, and I wish him nothing uh, but the best. And whatever post-baseball uh, life brings him. So got a couple more things to talk about. We're going to talk about, uh, sadly, the lockout just a little bit, uh, but some positive updates as well as we'll hit some um, off-season news for the Cubs and Cardinals because, as we mentioned, both teams have them. But before we do that, we want to tell you about Bet Bet BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs in the NFL as well as March Madness is just around the corner because we're only a week away from February. So get your betting um, slots ready. BetOnline is the number one spot for all these best sports wagering action for 2022 there's a new updated desktop and mobile website so be sure to sign up today and if you sign up today you can receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with the promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n gets you 50 percent more money to bet with and that means more money to win more money who doesn't love free money whether it's football basketball hockey boxing or ufc or your favorite vegas casino games take do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts (music) 
Andrew, if I were a, a betting man, as we just finished up the bet online read a little bit ago, I would not bet that the MLB uh, season is going to restart anytime soon. Uh, we've seen some good progress uh, over the last couple of days, and Monday and Tuesday, the, the sides were able to meet and negotiate for longer than seven minutes. Um, but what, what is your best guess, or what, what is your feeling as to when this lockout ends? Because I, I don't think it's going to be for a while. Well, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this, too. I backtracked yeah. a lot last week. I mean, early <laughs> December, I, I was you know, of the positive mindset. I said, okay, proactivity here. Now we're talking six weeks ago is key, right? Let's hash this mm -hmm. out now, not put spring training in jeopardy, not put the start of the season in jeopardy. But again, when you're doing this on December 3rd, compared to today here towards the end of January, it's a totally different approach. Well, the proactivity uh, jargon that I was preaching is, is out the window. Uh, right. The face-to-face -face meetings, great. You knew that they weren't going to hash anything out yesterday or today, but I'm glad that they sat at the table across from each other and decided to discuss in person again. I don't see any way where spring training starts on time now. I mean, you've got pitchers and catchers that would supposedly be reporting in three weeks or so. Um, and now as a fan of the game, now now I'm mad. You know, now you're frustrated. Yeah. I, I think it, and I think that's warranted. I don't think that's unfair to be mad. Um, there was so much silence for so long, which is normal, you know, when negotiations, you know, come to a head. But now here we are approaching Feb 1 with, with, you know, now daily updates, but nothing super, super promising. Um, so it stinks. And keep in mind, we still have an off season to get to after this ends yeah. prior to spring training starting. So I, it just, I mean, will it get resolved? Yes. Uh, in the timely manner that we had hoped. No, I don't know where you're at on this, but it's just, it, it, as a fan, it just sours you. I'm right there with you. And my, my thing about it too, is just, this could not have come at a worse time. For baseball, right? Because yeah. it's already arguably the least popular of the four North American sports, NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. And to the mediocre fan, you know, to you, you and I might be a little bit more involved than the average fan, right? We might know what they're debating, know what's on the table, know why it's important, right? But to the average fan who maybe isn't into baseball, trying to get into it, they're seeing millionaires and billionaires fight over money. And to somebody that's the average Joe, you know, maybe living paycheck to paycheck, maybe just trying to watch some baseball, that is so aggravating. To see millionaires and billionaires fighting over money, and like you, like I said, there's important issues to be discussed. We don't, we want to see more um, competitive throughout baseball. We want to see, we don't want to see arbitration um, or service time manipulation like we saw with the Cubs and Bryant earlier uh, in his career. We don't want to see that. So I understand these things need to be worked out. But I don't understand. And again, I'm naive. I'm a college student. Call me what you want. I still don't understand how we're, like you said, six weeks into this, and we've met in person twice. I understand these things take, take take time, but get in there and hash it out. I don't understand the idea of, oh, we're willing to hold back games to get what we want. No, you're going to lose more money that way. You've already been complaining for two years that you've lost money from the owner's standpoint. I don't, I'm not calling them liars. I know that money has been lost, but at the same time, why would you lose risk to lose more money? So it's, it's just the longer this goes on, the worse it gets. And that might be you know, a cliche, obvious statement, but at the same time, it is what it is. You have the NFL coming off the best weekend in its history, and then you go to the MLB or to Major League Baseball, and you're still trying to figure out when we can get pitchers and catchers to report to spring training. When can MLB.com writers write about their players? When can MLB Network return to regular programming? It's just ridiculous to me. And I love the sport. I understand these things are important. But at the same time, we're, we're close to February, as you mentioned. Let's get things moving.
You know, when you see things progress as they have or or not progress as they have in a situation <laughs> like this, maybe a better way to say it. It's just a very unfriendly reminder to a casual fan. Like you said, I mean, we're we're a little more nerdy than most. Maybe we're, we're entrenched in this kind of thing. Right. Because it's right. our livelihood. But it's just a very unfriendly reminder of how big a business sports in this country are and how big a business Major League Baseball is, whether you realize it or not, whether you want to realize it or not. And when you see the two sides of the business not in agreement, the product suffers and therefore the fan suffers. And I, I think, you know, you want you want the owners to get their share because they're the ones that put the product on the field that we all enjoy. But you want the players to get their share because they are the product. Right. There's no game without them. <laughs> right. um, it's a bad look. You hit it on the head, Lucas. It's a bad look. We went through this in 2020 in the COVID shortened season, but obviously there was no ball anyways, and you hate to see it again, uh, but here we are. So I, I guess fingers crossed, hoping for the best. And I, the fact that you say they're sitting down, they're talking, they're face-to-face, even though the reports haven't been great, it is progress. So the calendar's not stopping, so let's go. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And we remember the last time that these, you know, outside of 2020, back in 1994, when the strike happened, it took a steroid using Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa to bring baseball back. And then as exciting as that was, and that's, you know, wonderful, that, that race will always go down in history as one of the most exciting moments in sport, it's tainted with the steroid era, right? So I just don't foresee... And I, I hope we don't need another steroid era to bring the popularity of baseball back. But, you know, like you... You know, not to, you know beat a dead horse but you and i might know the excitement about baseball the 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 ins and outs of each and every player but to the average fan it's it's, it's just harder to to get to that content especially when all that's been talking about is that we're not getting anywhere so uh before we wrap up the show we're going to end on a couple positive notes um andrew i want you to give me your thoughts on marcus stroman signing with the cubs as well as what they need to do post um lockout and i'll give my thoughts on steven matt what the cardinals need to do post lockout um for, for the st louis cardinals I love the Stroman signing. I think it was huge. I don't think you can talk about it enough. Uh, the guy <laughs> has a phenomenal approach to the game, a phenomenal approach to life. Yeah. I love his his meditation and his balance, and he's just so well-rounded. He's so present. It just speaks volumes. You play a tough sport baseball up here. You know, between the years, it's brutal, right? I don't mm-hmm. think people uh, realize that enough, how, how, how trying it can be, especially over the haul of 162-game season. No his physical ability speaks for itself. The guy's a stud. I was shocked. I love it. I love it. I love it. They have work to do. I, they need a shortstop still. Um, whether that's Correa or not, it doesn't look like it It will be. He's going to want a 10-year deal of 300-plus million, you know, it, under the under the, the Seager Act. And I don't blame him for that. He's probably worth it. But I don't think the Cubs are going to be willing to do that here. There's other options. I've been preaching maybe a Trevor Story kind of coming off a down year for him. Uh, in Colorado, and the numbers aren't as skewed as some realize with the Coors Field splits. You know, maybe you can get him on the cheap, say, and I use air quotes for that, for a shorter-term deal to plug that hole. Um, you know, Marcus Stroma was, I think, 10th in baseball last year with ground ball outs. you got to be strong up the middle. Um, and and bringing in a, a, a story-type player who is very, very above average and a great defender would be a, a great plan B. Uh, to a Correa, and then the bullpen. It needs some help in the back end still. I wouldn't hate a Ryan Tapera reunion who was dealt to the Sox in the Kimbrel deal last year. I love his power arm. But really, I think the Cubs have done a lot more than people realize in terms of retooling that roster prior to the lockout, and I hope the spending does continue after however long the offseason lasts after 
um, to round out that roster. But I think they might be more competitive than people think. And that's not just the eternal optimist in me. I truly believe that. <laughs> if you're given the keys to the Cardinals front office, where are you going after this lockout ends? I'm getting some bullpen help. Um, I, I think that this offense is pretty set. I think the outfield has a chance to be one of the best in baseball, and that, that's a legitimate statement with O'Neill, Bader, and Carlson. The infield is pretty much set. I don't see Trevor Story coming to the Cardinals. I think Paul DeYoung's going to be your opening day shortstop. So I, I'm going to the bullpen. Uh, you lost Luis Garcia to the Padres. You saw what happened when you only had three options for three months out of the year. Mm-hmm. They were taxed, overused. We saw Alex Reyes have an atrocious second half of the season. Um, so I'm getting some bullpen help. There's been talks of possibly the Cardinals going after Tapera. I think they need a lefty first, a Brad Hand, and Andrew Chafin, another former Cub. I'm getting some, some big-time bullpen help. Um, and then secondary, I'm getting a left-handed bench bat. Um, you could argue Nolan Gorman, one of the Cardinals' top prospects, could fill that role. But if there's a DH, maybe you see Gorman do that. Or you sign a left-handed DH. There's you know, been whispers, and again, this is just people necessarily reports, but people wanting every, a contract between Kyle Schwarber and the Cardinals. I think that Schwarber would be a nice fit as a DH option. Then, all that is assuming, of course, that the DH is coming to the National League, which I believe that it is. But the Stephen Matt signing, I loved. Um, he's a left-handed pitcher that, that throws a lefty in your rotation, a ground ball pitcher. Um, he has an above-average ground ball percentage, and he's got the best infield defense in baseball behind him. So I think I'm, I'm expecting big things from Stephen Matz. It's a match made in heaven. He just seems like a cardinal guy, like we, we talked about. Goes out, does the right things, does things the right way, puts his head to the ground and works. But the, the key there is Stephen Matz cannot be the only deal the Cardinals make in terms of additions. They signed T.J. McFarland. They re-signed Wainwright and Molina. So if they were able to uh, couple some bullpen arms and a bench bat in addition to the Stephen Matz signing, that's a successful offseason for the St. Louis Cardinals. You and I sound like echoes, but there's not a team in baseball that's not looking for bullpen help right now. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, the, the, we, we've seen it in October. The, the team with a better bullpen wins nine times out of ten. No yeah, doubt. no question. Lucas, this has been wonderful. Um, we want to thank all of our listeners, Lockdown Cardinals, Lockdown Cubs, for joining us each and every morning and making us your first listen of the day. It truly means the world. Find us wherever you download your favorite podcast. We're always free and always available. Lucas, thank you. Can't wait to hopefully have some good lockout news later in the week, among other news and nuggets for our respective ball clubs. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that all shakes out. Hall of Fame tonight. Fingers crossed for Sosa doesn't look good, but hey, it'd be fun Cubs news. Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it.